Welcome to episode two of the ECG podcast. On today's show, we talk Epic Store exclusives, including Metro Exodus and Division 2, Anthem's rough VIP demo, a rare moment of transparency from Nintendo, and Xbox's big E3 plans. I'm your host, Chris Waterman, and this week I'm joined by Adam Gumbert from Bourbon Country, Lexington, Kentucky. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Bobby Miller from Baltimore. How you doing? How you doing? Later on the show, we'll have Sean Capri from Edmonton, and our friend Zach uh, Cassell is on vacation, but will be back next week and is very eager to return to talk about his Anthem impressions from the uh, probably upcoming open beta, and certainly it sounds like he got in there for the VIP demo this past uh, weekend. How's everyone doing tonight? I can't wait for Zach to come back next week. Yeah, absolutely. He, he's chomping at the bit, I tell you. <laughs> I know he's excited. Great. Uh, so we'll move right into uh, you know our, our news segments here. Uh, as always, we, we're fairly selective here on the news stories that we uh, picked to, to talk about, um, you know, the things that kind of uh, interest us. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there are other news stories. If you guys ever want to hear us, uh, you know, talk about anything in particular or focus in one area or the other, go ahead and drop us uh, some comments or, uh, at, you know, get us on Twitter and uh, we'll always uh, be happy for, for feedback. This week, uh, we'll start off by uh, discussing Metro Exodus and uh, really hot on the heels of Division 2 going uh, exclusive on uh the Epic Game Store here giving Steam a run for its money and Steam not too happy with that uh, that move for exclusive uh, exclusivity. Excuse me, calling it quote unfair. What do you guys make of this? I am that's crazy. Epic is I'm sort of just backing up the money truck and trying oh, to make yes. that store as big and you know interesting as possible as quickly as possible. Like they've just been gobbling everybody up to like Ubisoft and now we got. You know, Metro, just like every big game coming out in the next two months, they're like trying to get some sort of exclusivity on it. And I mean, that's how you build a store. That's that's what you got to do. And worth noting that Metro Exodus going on sale on the Epic Store for $10, nothing to, you know, uh, turn your nose up at uh, cheaper um, than any other retailer, you know, 50 bucks. Uh, for that game brand new is uh, is quite the discount, you know, for a day one launch, I think. 10 bucks, man. And, uh, you know, also, I think it's, you know, uh, Division 2 uh, poised to be a fairly big launch. Uh, I think that really the, the important takeaway here is I, competition's great for the consumer. And I think it's it's great um, for uh, the industry as a whole because um, you have Valve, who uh, I, I guess if I'm trying to be <laughs> kind here, uh, say they've been less than uh, productive the last several years as far as creating games and really seem to be kind of uh, riding that steam wave and, and making money that way, which nothing wrong with that. But uh, I do feel like there's uh, several games with uh, three in the title that I would like to see from Valve. And I kind of wonder if this is going to be uh, the catalyst to, to, I mean, already you see the, uh, the lead writer from uh, the, kind of dissolved Half-Life 3 being brought back into the fold. Do you guys think that's a sign of things to come here? Valve maybe looking to get back into game development to earn back some goodwill? I mean, maybe at some point. Like you said, they make so much money not making games. I don't <laughs> know what they need to. May, at this point, it would just be for like fan service. Like They don't need to do it. Um, but yeah, I don't think Steam's in trouble by any means. Like, oh, no, not, not in the least. Not in yeah. the least. I think not, not with those Steam sales, no. 
I think we should be clear. Yeah, Steam uh, doing just fine, and I think you know you're absolutely right that uh, Valve doesn't have to to do anything probably if they don't want to. However, I think uh, sometimes good press, uh, you can't underestimate that. And um, I've said for years, I really haven't done much in the way of PC gaming for quite a while. But if tomorrow, well, I have a PC now, so this doesn't apply. But let's, you know, six months ago, if you know, I had woken up and saw that Half-Life 3 was due to release uh, in two weeks on Steam, I would have I'd done whatever it took to get a good gaming rig um, you know, ready in time for that. That's, I think, how powerful that, uh, that franchise is uh, for so many people that just kind of want to see the, the story finish. But, uh, yeah, competition, always a good thing. Uh, I feel I'm like. more interested in... Uh... Left for Dead Three. Now that um, Evolve isn't really a thing anymore, Total Rock could possibly come back and do that. I don't know. At this point, I'd, who I'd knows? Love to see that. Be. Yeah, and then, you know, in this age of the games of service, like as much as I, I know it's a dirty word to say, but that is a game that I feel like you could monetize the shit out of it with even just cosmetic items. You could certainly probably update it quicker. Um, you know, with the, there being so many other games doing that games of service, the living, breathing thing. I mean, I think Left 4 Dead in, 2 in particular did a great job at um, releasing uh, content over the course of uh, several months, certainly, and maybe uh, well into a year past when that game originally came out. I remember getting the remix campaigns with the original characters and locations, um, the expansion packs where they kind of bridged the two groups of survivors. Um, I'm right there with you. I I would love uh, Left 4 Dead 3. That was a fantastic franchise to get in there and, and fuck around with your friends. Yep. I'd say as far as the actual store goes, though, yeah, Epic's going to continue to get more. I'm kind of worried that it, I mean, we'll have to see the future will tell, but sort of like when Switch came out and there was like a few games we get on there, like we've never been more successful than on this new platform where we're like the only game in town. And then this thing's going to start to get flooded in like a year or so. I'd like to see them uh, curate it. You know, uh, they, they have a unique opportunity, I think, uh, getting in, you know, sort of, I guess late in the game for a, a large PC, uh, you know, storefront to to maybe be a little more selective, um, you know, certainly about the games that they host on the platform, but also anything that they would put on the front page. Uh, again, kind of the advantage you have as a company coming in is yeah, you have the uphill battle against the juggernaut that is Steam, but you also have the advantage of learning from all of their mistakes and missteps and, you know, being able to essentially have free market research on, on how that platform has operated and grown over time. So. All right. Uh, so next segment here, uh, again, James Axon to uh, discuss this with us, but uh, Anthem had a, a, a closed VIP, I think is what they termed it, uh, demo over the weekend. That sounded great when it worked, but it seemed like all of the headlines were more about the difficulties and troubles of the beta or demo versus the the demo itself, which is a shame, you know, frankly, um, because it did sound like it was uh, it was cool when it worked. Uh, did either of you guys get a chance to jump in there and check it out? No, I was not VIP. I I did, and <clears throat> I I will say that. In all honesty, it it kind of feels, I hate to say it, but it kind of feels dated. Only because we have games like Warframe, Titanfall 2, and Destiny that are just way too similar. It just seems like Anthem doesn't, I hate to say it, but it doesn't stand out 
as a individual game. It just feels like it's kind of made up of those three. And I hate to compare it that way, but that's what it seemed like. Well, when you got past loading screens. Uh, but so, I did... Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. So I was going to ask the so first thing, and we'll get into the you know impression since you did get to check it out a bit. Uh, did you experience any technical issues yourself? Like, did you notice anything funky happening? Like, what was your uh, experience yes, I, just on a technical I, level? <laughs> I did stream it on Twitch. Uh, and let's just say I had to come back on Twitch like nine different times. Oh, God. Uh, because the loading screen. Well, at first I thought like the loading screen, like I kept reading online that it was you had to wait to get in. They were opening up more space and there was just too many people at one time. And then I was like, okay, I'll just wait. And it was like after like 30 minutes, like, sorry if you watch my Twitch and see 30 minutes of me looking at a load screen that's 90% loaded. Like you can see the load bar go all the way through. But then it just kept freezing at that point. But eventually after you got in, it was nice, but it kind of seemed a little slow. Uh, like there's like a little market area. No spoilers. It's it's a VIP demo. But uh, it's like a little market you walk through. It was kind of like slow, like you couldn't run through it. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of some of the games where like it doesn't let you run, but there were some characters you can interact with. Like it seems like the mouth movement and everything, it's it's better than Mass Effect, even though Mass Effect was a great game. Andromeda, uh, it, but not not visually. But but uh, but this it, it looked great, uh, like it felt great, but it just seemed like it was. It just seems like it's going to struggle to be its own game. I guarantee you, there'll be a lot of people to play it. But it just seems like it just doesn't separate itself enough for me. But it was a good game. Like it ran fluid. Like it was nice. The shooting and the flying it was nice. Uh, but it just it just seems like it's I don't know. It just seems like it's trying to be something, but I don't know what it's trying to be. You know, a couple of things to know. I think it is important, uh, you know, to to note that uh, EA and Bioware, I think, have both come out and said that there are improvements that will already be put into place by the time uh, this coming week's uh, demo um, is is up and running. So uh, it'll be great to hear your impressions if you hop back in there to see, like, you know, how things change. Uh, I did see specifically they had mentioned that in the full release, you'll be able to run in that market area. I guess that was an, uh, a gripe that uh, several people had. <laughs> Um, which is, you know, it's good. What do you, are you worried about the main product or do you think there's a chance that like when the full product is released and everything's kind of cohesive and you're going at your, your own pace, do you think that, um, you know, the, the game has enough there, like that where you could potentially have a great, you know, gameplay loop or if, you know, this, the story, which has been very secret, uh, do you think like that'll be enough to kind of elevate it? Like, uh, how worried are you as far well, as that? That's what I'm worried about mostly is I think that gameplay it's fine for, for what it is that, mm-hmm. that we have noticed so far. I think a story mode will be a lot better where to explain more things as opposed to just jumping into javelins. I think it's called a javelin. I forgot already. Yeah, no, that's correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's it. But what I also wonder now is, I do think that the the division beta, uh, ironically, is starting next week. So, oh, okay. so to see both of them, that'll be interesting to see how how uh, you know everything goes. But I I think it's going to be a good game. I'm I'm going to get it because I just well I won't backlog this one like like Red Dead. I promise. But I, I, <laughs> I think it's going to be good. But I have a feeling that it, it's going to be like, like a Sea of Thieves, Destiny. When it first comes out, people are going to be and complain, and then it'll fluidly become a good game 
as long as the story is good, is what I think. But I, I shooting wise, I think the shooting was good. Uh, the enemies weren't bad. It, it was. I think the map could be a little bit better. Uh, it seemed like it was a little small, uh, but I, I think it it it'll. I'm sure there's a lot of fix because I even heard that I I thought that I heard that the demo was actually like like an older older demo. Like the VIP demo was like like pre before they added a lot of other stuff. Sure, is what I heard. Yeah, because it's, it, it's always important to know. You know, the, I mean, it's called a beta for a reason. Yes. And I think that's the that was kind of the unfortunate thing about the new cool with this one was, um, yeah, you know, it seems as much as it's right there in the title of the of the damn thing, um, people do get a, you know sometimes a little fixated or feel like it's indicative of the final product, and that's not to say that it may not you know have issues when it launches. It very well could, but um, you know, uh, I think you know these things are designed to uh, do exactly what it did, which is test the server load and you know, see what millions of people playing a game, you know, does to uh, the Bioware and EA servers and, and to get that player feedback, you know, I mean, you get probably so much technical and uh, personal, you know, feedback from just a weekend of that, like more so that you probably could with like a year of play testing, you know, with a limited play tester. So that's yes. kind of and, cool. and that's what's hard too, is way that, you know, beta is thrown around a lot because of games like Warframe and Fortnite and Realm Real, where they're still in beta mode. Oh, early access, you mean? Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. That's kind of the way they're skirting that now is they're not calling it a beta. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. quote, early access, which is really just, you know, it's an extended beta or what, I don't know what you want to call it, but yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. That could send in some confusion. I do think that I like, I, I know when Optimus comes back, he's going to be mad at me, uh, but I, I, I do think it is going to be a good game, but I don't think it's going to have, a good launch. I think it's going to be buggy at launch. Not not like Fallout seventy six buggy, which is they had yeah. an update and it's still just god awful. My biggest hope for them is I don't think anyone's nailed that the like narrative story in this type of game yet. Like yes. as much as I like Destiny, it usually takes them a couple of campaigns. Like Taken King and Forsaken were both yeah. great, but uh, and I think Vanilla Destiny two's campaign was was okay, especially compared to. Destiny one, but um, you know, yeah. typically a division did nothing for me. Like, uh, you know, I liked the world and some of the environmental storytelling, but um, I, I really couldn't care less about much of what was going on, at least in that vanilla campaign. So I really have high hopes with Bioware and their pedigree that they, if nothing else, like tell us a really kick-ass uh, story, you know, something I can get lost in with, with cool characters. Agreed. And I kind of feel bad because what I've been seeing online is, this is like <laughs> make it or break it for Bioware. Yeah, it's like I feel awful because it's like that's why I want this game to succeed so bad is because I don't want Bioware to go under like for uh, just just the demo alone, like uh, the VIP demo. Like I think it's awful that people judged it as much as they did. Uh, but then again, it's uh, we're in the internet age where people care. I mean, you're getting one star reviews on everything before even a game comes out. Uh, so it's it's hard to trust the public sometimes, but I think that this game is going to be good. But I think it's going to take a while. Yeah, I can't wait to check it out this weekend. I'm going to try to you know um, keep my my mind open as I go into the demo and afterwards, uh, you know, just uh, uh, 
won't necessarily be a day one buy for me, but uh, at least right now, uh, but I do want to spend some quality time with the demo, check out a couple of the different uh, javelins and see kind of how they feel. So if, you know, I do purchase the game on day one or early decide to do that, I can kind of know which class I'm going to roll with and kind of dedicate, you know, um, or narrow that down at least maybe to a, to a couple. Uh, Cause I do like running multiple classes in this kind of game. Once, uh, once I get kind of, used to what's going on, you know, with your second class, it's usually easier to kind of understand how you're specking and, you know, you, you get more efficient with it. I feel like it's always easier to level up your second or third character. Agreed. Agreed. And I think once they get like people understand the mechanics more of like adding options for your, uh, I forgot what the word is again, javelin. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it seemed like that was a little confusing because of the way that they had it uh, in the settings to, add or upgrade because there was people that were way more upgraded to me and i didn't even know i could upgrade them in the vip demo uh upgrade uh different weapons in your javelin and whatnot uh but i don't know if that's something that they opened up because it was uh having a bad uh with the loading screens uh but but i like i said i enjoyed it i think it's going to be good but i think just like destiny it's it's going to take a little bit to get people back into it and the cool thing is people are kind of trained at this point, you know, to uh, expect that a little bit, I think, types of games. Oh, yes. um, you know, I, I think I, I frequently tell people in my Destiny clan that kind of get a little stressed out sometimes or bummed out when the content starts drying up. It's okay to take a break. There'll be more content eventually. You can always come back to it. You know, we still run a, a raid occasionally, you know, here or there just for, for shits and laughs. Like, we'll... Uh, we have raid drinking games for most of the raids at this point. So sometimes like on a Friday night where everyone's kind of just homebound, you know, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll bust out an old raid and do a drinking game. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it'll be good to, again, we talked about competition earlier, I think to, for uh, you know, the division two and destiny two to have some competition out there, uh, good, bad or ugly, um, just to have another player on the field to kind of, I think it'll push creativity um, a little bit more in that genre and hopefully uh, give us better games you know that's the uh, we ease our way into the next uh, console generation uh, adam are you jumping in this weekend do you think you'll check it out yeah i'm gonna play the open beta just because it's open i guess i'll have no sure. friends playing it but i don't i don't know what they're called i'm gonna start calling them mmo lights but i do not like these kind of <laughs> games because yeah. my destiny division anthem they're all but the just once you get past this quote unquote story or whatever, it is a hundred percent an MMO. It's grind for gear mm-hmm. that becomes irrelevant whenever they update the game. I'm just like, I don't, I can't do this, but I'll play the beta. The game, because of the Bioware story, I almost might buy it. Like if it's on sale, but more than likely I'll, I'll play beta with you guys, but I don't do MMO lights. I can't, I don't have that much time to dedicate. I, I say think... that as I play 500 hours of PUBG, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all in the either person, you know, beholder as far as that but uh I, you know i will say like i think that um the biggest thing for me like when i'm playing these types of games where i don't mind investing the time is uh when i feel like the game is respecting my time and the uh the power level increase and the, the gear drop rates and the variety of activities shows me that the developers have thought through um you know how a player is going to experience this and uh, you know, just to make sure that as I'm doing these things, I feel like my time is well spent, that I'm not slowly, I think the hardest thing for me was, um, I, I remember like I was not a WoW guy, I was not an MMO guy, was uh, getting to 
the post uh, you know game stuff and the vanilla Destiny, like the original Destiny, and all those like Forever Twenty Nine memes because uh, it was Bungie's first stab at, at uh, creating end game content, and like no one had ever seen a raid uh, like Vault of Glass in the original Destiny. And just feeling like I, I was doing this. I, I remember literally just running in circles on planets, gathering these planetary materials just so I could upgrade the gear that I already had. And there was nothing fun about that. Like I, I just, I had to get people in party chat. So I didn't go insane because I was running around in a, a circle, you know, in an area the size of a football field, just gathering fucking spin metal or whatever goddamn thing you needed for the, for the gear there. And they, you know, they eventually they adjusted that. So I'm, um, I'm all about the grind. If it, if it's fun and varied and I've, you know, it levels you up quick. Yeah, I agree. Cause I know that when destiny first came out, like it was right around the launch of PlayStation home. Like, like shortly after that, and it kind of seemed like the same thing with everyone in the tower. And and I won't lie, I I left Destiny until the Taken King. Taken mm-hmm. King. Yeah, a lot of people did. Yeah, it was just oh, it was bad. But I I too uh, the uh, I guess they'll call them junior MMO RPGs. I I agree. Sometimes the grind is just way too much for me because I think Destiny had a new update. Is that uh, a new event? The uh, hand. Oh, what the heck is that? Uh, so the most recent one it was the Black Armory, which I played through, and um, uh, you know, same kind of problem. I had like where the, the gear was awesome, but some of the quests were very cumbersome. Um, you know, with that. But sorry, I kind of I'm getting I'm getting us off track anyway. I could talk about. De- <laughs> let's uh let's head over to the next story here which uh it, you know it's a little column a a little column b uh as far as you know being happy and a bummer but metroid prime 4 um you know announced to be uh essentially rebooting um the development and uh, i've got a brief quote here from shinya takahashi i'm probably butchering that name i'm so sorry for anybody out there that speaks japanese or is better uh, pronouncing japanese names than i am uh a quote from him Although this is very regrettable, I'm oh, sorry, this is from GameSpot.com, by the way. Although this is very regrettable, we must let you know that the current development progress has not reached the standards we seek in a sequel to Metroid Prime series, Takahashi said. Nintendo always strives for the highest quality in our games and in our development phase. We challenge ourselves and confront whether the game is living up to the quality on a daily basis. From this perspective, we have determined that the current development status of Metroid Prime 4 is very challenged and we had to make a difficult decision as a development team. We decided to re-examine the development structure and change it. And then basically he goes on to say uh, Retro Studios is coming back uh, to effectively take over the development of Metroid Prime 4. And the reason, you know, I said it's kind of a little column A, a little column B is like, you know, it's a bummer uh, that they are having to to completely start from scratch um, the development of this game. It's a game I think a lot of people are looking forward to, myself included. I only played, um, you know, portions of the other Metroid Prime games and mostly just kind of watched others uh, take it on. But uh, it's, I think, a a great story because Nintendo is typically a very guarded uh, company. Uh, play all their cards close to the chest. Uh, don't show a lot of vulnerability. And um, I, I was uh, rather delighted that they decided to to be so transparent with this particular story and the status of the game, and just say, you know, hey, like we hate to to do this, but we feel like it's what's best for the game. We want to make a quality game, um, and just to, to be so open and honest about it, I was uh, was quite surprised. Yeah, that's crazy. Normally, like you said, they don't really say. They won't give you that deep of a dive look into it, but yeah, they went all out. They're like, yeah, we're just 
kind of starting from square one, not necessarily. Now, we'll see you. I'll we'll see what you guys have to say about this. I'm thinking that this news looks like the game's really far away, but I bet this game comes out like 2020, fall 2020. Really? Really? Because, I mean, <laughs> they've got the assets, right? They said they're in production, they're in development, so they pre-production's done. They know the direction of the game. They're just building it, and I feel like they already have some of that stuff built. So even though they're coming in and kind of starting fresh, I still feel like this isn't going to be a full-on three- or four-year development. I think the year's probably get out of that. So I think this winter, Pokemon, next winter, Metroid Prime 4. All right, a bold claim. I'll have to uh, to uh, bookmark this particular podcast, and <laughs> we'll see uh, what um, yeah what ends up happening. I mean, I, I suppose that depending on on what they have uh, asset wise um, at their disposal, that they could very well um, salvage some of it. It's not unusual for that to happen. There are many games that are sort of born out of um, you know scrapped others. Uh, I I I'm always in favor of getting the game when it's ready. It's not always the, the you know the best news, but I mean, Fallout seventy six, cough cough. <laughs> well, I was gonna say like as a positive example, three. Uh, it seems like it's a rare example, but came out uh, well liked. It seems, and um, everybody that I know that's a fan has said, yeah, worth the wait. It, uh, it's great. It's not perfect, but I never expected it to be. Um, Final Fantasy fifteen is a game that I actually did play and beat, and uh, same thing. Like you could kind of see. A little bit of the uh, stress cracks in that game where things kind of felt a little bit unfinished, but um, you know, it, 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 the long development I don't think was too bad, bad of a detriment. So. See, I like it when they well, not like Crackdown Three, but I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I like when they delay games because I remember uh, David Jaffe when he was coming out with Twisted Metal. Uh, he kept complaining that he hated day one updates. So -hmm. they kept pushing twisted metal back. And of course they had a day one update, but it, it just, I, I would rather wait for a completed game as opposed to getting a game. And it's like bad or like, like laggy kind of like fallout four was for a lot of systems. Uh, but I like that they can fix it, but I wish they would just wait like that that's what I'm waiting for is I'm waiting for like uh Call of Duty to just like take a year off and come out with like a really good game instead of killings. Uh but it it's just I, I'd rather it wait. That that's my opinion. I, I'd like to have a real good completed game as opposed to let's just make money now because we've we're bleeding dry uh kind of thing. Well, and, and you know, I, as we talked about in last week's episode, I'm I'm not much of a Call of Duty guy, but in their defense, they do have the three studio development cycle where the game that you're getting that feels annualized is actually a game that's been in development for three years because you know you have Sledgehammer will will put out a game and then Infinity Ward and then Treyarch, you know, the third studio. So it does allow them to kind of maintain that illusion of annualization, I guess, but there are separate studios. But I I kind of do agree with you. I I feel like there are franchises uh, annualized uh, that probably could uh, benefit for, I mean, look at Assassin's Creed, right? Uh, Yeah. Took took, uh, a couple of years off, right? Did a little soul searching and back to back, really fantastic games. Beautiful games, yes. Okay. Um, yeah, anything else to add? Uh, again, Nintendo, um, for uh, just being transparent, I think 
my take on it, looking at the community and the game, you know, whether it's the press or, uh, you know, the just gamers as a whole, it seems like pretty well received news and everyone else kind of had the same attitude, right? Like, yeah, cool. All right. Yeah, that sucks. But thanks for, you know, being honest uh, about it and we'll, we'll see it when it's ready. It's easy to do it when you don't announce it in a release date and then push it back like a month before. <laughs> yeah. There's no date a, on it, you really can't complain. It's like, well, it wasn't going to come out this year anyway, so. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think all we had was like the little 30-second teaser with the Metroid Prime 4. That's basically it, right? That's the only yeah, thing we've like seen of that title. game. Like no mm-hmm. screenshot, no gameplay, nothing. So you can't really get that mad. Yeah. Yeah, that's when I get frustrated with E3 is like they announce games that that still have not been released like that that frustrates me but i i do like that i mean i would like updates the way that nintendo's doing it but it seems like several studios when they announce things at e3 they just never uh come out with final fantasy 7 uh but there's there's <laughs> yeah we're all still waiting i mean if we know what's happening but episode one 2022 exactly i hope it's not oh that. christ they better uh, just release that whole damn game and abandon this just god-awful idea of uh serializing the path. fucking it's a massive rpg man nobody wants that serializing i'm i'm getting <laughs> off topic again oh yeah sorry i did too no 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 <laughs> I, I, but I, I do think there's a right way to do things like uh a recent example again you guys know i'm a huge from software guy um, uh, like I, I think that they did a beautiful job of uh, of teasing uh, Sekiro Shadows Die twice. E three this year, where we just got that. It was like again a little thirty second clip where it was like a a crazy bone with some wire and shit like all hooked up to it, and then we got a very good look at it. Maybe it was at um, PSX last year that they did it, and the, then E three. The, the weird big bone thing was before because at E three Xbox yeah. when they showed off the gameplay. Sirens are on and. Our end, yeah. sir. <laughs> yeah, the um, yeah, I see. So yeah, I think you're right. Maybe it was PSX or Game Awards. No, I think it was Game Awards is where we first saw that footage. Come to think of it, and then E3 this past year in June is when we saw the extended look. But that game uh, coming out this year, right? Like that's a good way to do it because you kind of slowly build hype. You get more substantial looks each time, and you kind of get a sense of a timeline of you know when this thing's going to be ready based on how much information you're being fed. And it doesn't seem like a way to just kind of bolster hype with no substance. Yeah. And it's easy, it's easy to do it when you're like Nintendo and it's your money. But when you're like NEA and Ubisoft Activision and it's your shareholders money and yeah. they expect to pay out on this day. And you're like, we want to push you back for polish. You're like, no, you better put that shit out and update yeah. it later. We don't give a damn. So yeah. it's kind of a little different, but, you know. I'm wild speculation here with regards to that. Uh, 20 second hot take. I think that you're going to see a radical shift, um, you know, maybe not this calendar year, but getting into 2020 and beyond. I think that EA and uh, Activision are probably going to have some real come to Jesus moments as far as like how they're handling uh, publishing games. And I think you're going to see them adopt a completely different strategy. I I still think you'll see see the annualized, uh, you know, games like, um, you know, your sports titles, especially, and maybe your Call of Duties and Battlefields and whatnot. But um, I, I, you know, Ubisoft seems to be uh, to have really adapted uh, and and kind of uh, understood that it's better to have a lot of different um, 
uh, Irons in the Fire and uh, multiple franchises that you can release so that you have a big title coming out every year without burning people out on the same fucking games like year <laughs> after year. And I think that, you know, they're a, a, a studio probably three years ago. I used to really clown on pretty hard because I felt they were synonymous in a lot of ways with EA and Activision. And uh, they're like one of my favorite big studios these days, along with Bethesda. Yeah, and I agree with you, but then you look at the sales numbers and you're like, no, I think yeah, you inactivated. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, so yes, they're they're not hurting for money, but I do think that at some point there's, you know, there's going to be that straw that breaks the camel's back. Enough's going to be enough. You're going to see players kind of uh, push back. I mean, just look at what happened with Battlefront 2. I mean, fucking <laughs> Star awful. Wars, man. And a Star Wars shooter to boot. And frankly, you know, it's a game that um, I thought the campaign was there, but like gameplay wise, I mean, the music, the sound design, like that, that game, like when, when you're in it, like it feels like fucking like you're in a Star Wars movie. It's, it's really uh, quite an achievement in terms of, you know, the the technical side, Um, but completely marred by controversy did not nearly as well as it was projected to do and in all around um monetization controversies with the the loot boxes and and you know i think that um they're seeing that you can't ever um overestimate the power of a franchise or an ip rights to and just assume that it's gonna make you money because it is star wars or you know whatever you want to insert there but yeah, now I, I want you to, Chris, write this down somewhere because this is a good <laughs> conversation. Because that game, Battlefront 2, still sold about 10 million or more copies. Yes, so I want to, we're going to do this for, put this down somewhere, a segment where um, hardcore gamers and the controversy they have compared to the general audience. Because I think people really underestimate your general audiences because the general audience doesn't give a damn. And I, sales never show. So I think we should write this and put this for another show because I think that'll be an interesting battle. Yeah, I, I'd probably like to do some research. 10 million copies again to sneeze at I feel like probably if if we had access to what that game was pro- projected to sell i think you would see uh the expectations from the you know publisher side versus the reality of what it actually did numbers wise is probably a pretty big discrepancy and probably a, a, a pretty good gap um in what they were you know projecting it to sell but i i don't entirely disagree with you as far as hardcore gamers versus the casual but uh yeah, yeah I, I agree because I, I wrote I, it up at the top of the note so we'll uh, we'll keep right. it for 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 a uh, sometime in the near future we'll we'll have that conversation and i i would like to so that's a good one to do a little research ahead of time to kind of see um, you know, the, the big games that have controversies and then how it looks like it actually affected it, you know? So I'm sorry, go ahead. What were you saying, bud? No, no. Yeah. I was just going to say, I agree. I'm glad that we're going to talk about that because I, I hate to admit, I've never seen a star Wars movie, but mm-hmm. I did. Hold on. Like, what? <laughs> Red dead. We could forgive last week. My friend, star Wars, like... <laughs> I don't, it's funny because I don't know what happened. It's like, cause I was born in 84. And I just, for some reason, I missed that whole Star Wars for some. I guess I was outside playing. Oh my uh, Christ! I, I just don't get it because it. I feel bad. Like I've tried to watch them a few times. Like that was my New Year's resolution was to watch them all after I figured out which order. Uh, but I, I still haven't been able to watch them. But it's like the Star Wars games have always been fun to me. But I never uh, was like a Star Wars fan. So that's why I'm glad we're going to do that segment because I'd like to voice my opinion is just the gamer uh, sure. as opposed to knowing who 
I, I don't know any of the guys, uh, but yeah. 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 Well, we, we will definitely broach that topic. <laughs> uh, Maybe I'll watch them before. <laughs> there you go. You know, uh, I, if you can get it into a, a movie theater, that's the best way to see them. So uh, even if it's just catching up to episode nine and watching that when it comes out, but uh, yeah, do it. All right. Final uh, news story here is um, Phil Spencer uh, recently uh, in a, uh, was it the uh, podcast? What's the Xbox podcast? Oh God. I'm going to have a brain fart now uh, talking to major Nelson said that they were yeah. going to be having um, a, a quote, big E3. It's going to be as big as it's ever been for Xbox. Uh, not really saying a lot uh, in terms of specifics, but uh, I put this on here because you know, number one, no shit. Like we, we know that you're going to have a, a big E3. You have a big three E3 every year, at least strive to. Uh, but you know, with Sony's absence, um, I feel like if they're going to show up, they don't really have much of a choice, do they? Like they, they like they got to seize on that opportunity going into the next gen. Uh, what do you guys think in terms of number one, what you would like to see, and what we actually will see there? Do you think the next console is revealed before E3, at E3, or after E3, and then what games or kind of show are you expecting? Hmm, I would say. Just how E3 is gets covered by this, your average news outlets. I feel like debuting the new console, or at least an official name for it, is probably likely. Um, and then they'll have all those studio acquisitions showing off some new games. Like I think it's going to be all about streaming or the new console, and they're going to probably have just a ton of games. Because all those people who had deals with Sony, Sony's not there now, so and they still want to be at E3, so where are you going to show your game? I do agree with you. I think you'll see a much bigger third party showing yeah. uh, at E3 um, on Microsoft stage. That's that's a pretty, um, I think, astute observation and a safe bet. Uh, so you think, just to clarify, that we that's, this is the first time we see the new Xbox hardware is on the E3 stage? Yeah, I would assume so, because normally they would have had their own conference. But right. E3 is essentially their own conference at this point, since somebody's not there. So I think if you're going to do it, this is going to have the most eyes. Of course, you can do it anytime you want. You're Microsoft, so everyone's going to see it. But It does make a tremendous there. splash. I, I don't know what other stories, sort of Sony doing something similar, like, but we know they're not going to be there. Um, it's going to steal your thunder if you do announce the new Xbox. Like That is going to overwhelm the headlines. And it, you know, if you're looking not only at Sony's absence, but sorry to throw a little shade at Bethesda, but Bethesda's not had the greatest year. Um, and they, so many of their games seem to be far away. Um, so, I mean, who else do you have? You've got uh, Ubisoft, right? Um, but traditionally, um, th they're kind of they're showing off their own things as a pretty limited scope. And then you have uh, Bethesda, as we said, and then I guess Nintendo typically does like a. a, a uh, direct uh, that's yeah. kind of special. Nintendo will have a big presence for sure. Like I'm, I guess Pokemon for Switch is probably going to be the big thing if I had to guess. But I mean, obviously you got Pokemon here. What's the other story? Oh, a new Xbox. So, do you think we see? I think uh, more of uh, what's it called? Halo Infinite is. I think that uh, we finally, if nothing else, get a tease or a title for what they're. Uh, but they called it their quadruple a studio the initiative i think we get a, a little peek at what they're looking at and i think that you completely nailed it as far as all these studios that they've acquired we get you know game 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 so we have something to kind of really look forward to 
um, you know, with the the launch of the next generation console, or maybe even as the Xbox One winds down. Um, you know, only one or two of those will probably be Xbox One games, but the rest of those will be sneak peeks at what's coming in the next Xbox for sure. Do you think, for the purposes of having a you know a knockout, uh, so to speak, that uh, the and maybe not announced here at E3, but like, do you think that Microsoft will have some kind of killer app or pack in uh, for the next gen to really start off the game, uh, start out of the gate, I should say, uh, strong? Traditionally, console launch windows very weak in terms of uh, options. You you see some third party support, a couple of first party exclusives that are not all that fantastic. Do you, do you think Microsoft? Uh, you know, switches gears and, and pulls out something uh, just tremendous, like like a Halo or maybe even the Initiatives game for console. I'm thinking, yeah, man, that Halo game. I mean, it's under a new engine. We haven't seen much of that game. Halo um, Five was what three years ago at this point. I don't know. I didn't play it. I <laughs> I was so. I feel yeah. like they would have enough time and have it ready for the launch of the new one. Like we know, Gears is going to be probably this the- year. So that'll probably be the last or one of the last big Xbox One games. So I don't see why Halo wouldn't be the start of the next one. Or like you said, Initiative. I think Initiative is like a year, maybe a year and a half after the new Xbox launches. But you'll see what's going to be there in launch window. Yeah, I think a a Halo uh, pack-in, or or maybe not a pack-in. That's probably a bad way. I don't think include it with the console. But a Halo game available at launch, especially if they manage to pull it off and really revitalize the franchise, kind of redefine what halo is and make it a a fantastic story and great multiplayer which it seems like you know they uh, hasn't been a problem for them with five but the uh, it's the campaign that was mostly lacking i think that would be a great way to kind of show everybody in this next generation microsoft's coming out swinging like we are all about the games and we're going to be providing you with first party exclusives that are of you know uh the highest possible quality and you know both franchises that you've come to love but also these new franchises um you know or ips from uh these studios that we've acquired or studios that we've created in the case of the initiative what do you think bobby what are you what are you looking forward to seeing what do you think we'll see there what's your what's your wild speculation my wild speculation is i know playstation has a a uh, stigma about them of being like uh, I'll use the word uppity if I should. Uh, I, I worry that PlayStation is going to do something stupid and like announce on like Twitter or something during Xboxes or right after Xboxes. Uh, only because of the leaks lately of vendors getting PlayStation Five uh, stuff, studios getting PlayStation Five stuff to move on to the next gen. I feel that it's kind of early to start announcing PlayStation 5 stuff unless they have some cruel intention to try to uh, downplay Xbox's E3 without being there by announcing something. But I think that Microsoft's going to have an awesome E3 because they need it. Mm -hmm. Uh, They need games. I want to see games. It's like I I do like Xbox, but it just seems like they're just... Everything comes out on the same consoles, but it just seems like they need their own exclusives, actually exclusives. Uh, and I would like to see that. That's why I'm so excited with a lot of the studios that they picked up. So I'm hoping that it's just they just blow everybody away with games. Uh, and that's all I really want to see. I know that the new Xbox, uh, I keep calling it the Xbox 160. 
Um, <laughs> only because I, I think that it just sounds cool. Uh, it, if it happens, we can date this show too. Uh, but uh, I, I really hope that Xbox comes out and kills it. I do think Nintendo is going to have uh, big plans too. I think that both of them might feel a need to fill the void for PlayStation, and I hope they don't try to do that because uh, PlayStation is dumb for missing it anyway. I'll, I'll honestly say that as a PlayStation gamer. I don't see why they would not be there at all. Uh, but after last year's show, I guess play—I don't even know what the hell they were thinking last year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was—it was the most awful thing. But uh, I think it's one or two things. Like it's either Sony is getting to be like cocky, Sony full of hubris again, and maybe they feel like they don't need it. I don't think that's likely. I—I I think Sony is going to pull some you know sleight of hand bullshit before e3 or maybe maybe after but i i my gut says before where they're going to unveil not only their console but they're gonna hit us all with a bunch of uh surprising release dates both for the tail end of ps4 and then uh announce their their new console along with some titles that are going to be um you know day and date with the console launch or close enough to the console launch um ahead of e3 yeah. To where that, you know, is what everybody, you know, a month before E3, say, like in May, that's all everyone can talk about. They control the news cycle in a different way, you know, whereas Microsoft has Sony's vacancy to kind of uh, have more of the uh, the mind share. Uh, Sony just kind of gets out ahead of all that and says, like, you know, here's all eyes on us. Um, you know, let's razzle dazzle everybody and then puts, you know, just by virtue of getting that news out sooner, I think... Um, Microsoft on its back foot a little like the pressure mounts so much more for them to really nail E3. Um, you know, uh, if they manage to, to have a great co uh, conference like that again, I, I totally could be the other thing too, where they're just like, maybe they don't have any uh, yet or nothing that grandiose. Um, but I don't know. It seems like they've been awfully quiet after having a couple of dynamite years uh, for game announcements and, you know, showing off some cool stuff. So, you know, I think Sony's is going to be really cool. I think they're going to have, I don't know if it's going to be PSS necessarily, but they're going to have like their own thing. They're going to show it off. It's going to be awesome. And then, you know, Last of Us 2 will probably close out the PS4 because I honestly don't think those other games are PS4 games. I never thought a Kojima game would come out and fucking Yeah, Death Training feels, it. yeah, it feels like Ghost very of Tsushima's much... up in the air. That could be either one. But I think Sony's going to have like a really cool, I don't know when it'll be, but they're going to have their thing and it's going to be, it's going to be pretty cool. Too, so, but it's not going to be around E3 or that weekend. So, yeah, yeah, I'm glad. I, I kind of feel I'm glad that Xbox is going to get, <clears throat> excuse me, like its own thing. It kind of feels like this is Xbox Z3. Uh, it seems like uh, with the announcement of Xbox One, that was like that all went downhill. And I'm hoping that they they learned from that, and that this is going to be great. The way that they started all with Anthem at E3, I thought that was beautiful. That <clears throat> I'd like to play that anthem, uh, but uh, it. I, I really hope Xbox kills it. Honestly, I like the competition. I like the games. I just want to play them. One more quick question for you guys, kind of with regards to this, uh, and then we'll move on. Sorry, this has turned a little bit into a next gen speculation uh, thing, but I thought it would be kind of fun to to look into our uh, crystal balls here. Do you think at either of those? Um, uh, events where the, the these new consoles are announced, do we actually do we actually see the box, or do you think we just get the name of the console and uh, maybe some some flops and flips and all the other technical jazz that usually comes out when they announce the console? I think you might see a picture. 
or they might mm-hmm. show an image of it, like a concept art, something like that. <clears throat> um, I'm hoping that they show more, but I don't think it's going to be the showcase of the show because I think we're too far in between generations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that I think that it's just going to be like, hey, this is coming. It's going to be badass for graphics. It's going to be great. And it's going to be affordable. <laughs> Uh, it's not going to be like PS3 when it was outrageous or Xbox One when I was the first. I think it's going to be a good price point, and I think, well, not if it's price, sorry. Uh, but I think that an image is what they'll show, and hopefully. If we were to see any box, my money would be on a prototype of maybe this uh, streaming box that's been kind of announced or speculated on for Microsoft, just as like a, you know, almost like a demonstration. Uh, like here's here's roughly how big this thing is. It is it's hooked up to the you know uh, conference center Wi-Fi, and here we go. We're gonna fire up you know Anthem uh, and show you like this is not pre-installed. This is all through the internet connection. A little bit risky, I would admit. You know, um, to, for a demo if the internet craps out or something. But uh, I would think that maybe your best bet at seeing something, um, you know, that's hardware because it's not as new and exciting as like the, you know, I, I in my mind, I keep kind of separating out the new next gen with this streaming only box. Don't get me wrong. I think the streaming box sounds really cool, but it doesn't feel in my mind yet like the true next je- uh, gen step forward, even though it's more technically innovative, I guess. But Yeah, I think sadly it's it's going to go streaming it's going to be like uh nvidia's shield with the steam mm-hmm. i think that could be an option which would be great but i just worry about bandwidth and quality. i mean uh ping alone i i don't know how anything can just work i five. but yeah we'll see soon enough hopefully yeah. uh all right well that, that about does it for the news week uh quickly just going to talk about um What's out uh, you know, this week? Not much uh, other than Kingdom Hearts 3 of note. Uh, again, we're a little bit selective here in what we talk about and are calling out for new releases. Uh, from what I could see, at least on the internet, it looks like a lot of uh, other studios um, you know, uh, have some stuff here on the horizon as we get into that kind of hell day in February 22nd. Um, but Kingdom Hearts 3, obviously, big game, huge game. People are excited it's out. Seems to be doing well on Metacritic, and uh, you know the people I've chatted with briefly um, have seemed to like it. Next week we'll uh, have a breakout segment where we have a couple of guests on to talk about uh, Kingdom Hearts three. I've got uh, Jay Harvey and Chris McFadder uh, both going to be on uh, to talk about their uh, personal history with Kingdom Hearts, and then we'll give their impressions on on the game itself. Jay Harvey uh, in particular should be a treat. He speed runs a lot of square games, um, you know, kind of semi-professionally. Uh, so he's got a unique perspective uh, with regards to that. I'll, I'll be sure to touch on speed run potential. And if he feels like this is a game that could potentially uh, fall into that category. Uh, the other thing being um, uh, Anthem's open beta this weekend uh, with significant improvements. I say that in quotes, um, you know, according to Bioware and EA. Uh, also worth noting that if you played the VIP demo, your progress does carry over uh, into this demo. So you, if you tried out some of the javelins but didn't get to check out others, uh, it stands to reason that you'll be able to, um, you know, still have your uh, original progress there to pull from. And uh, with that, we're getting to our weekly rotating segment. Uh, with Resident Evil 2 launching this week, we thought it'd be fun to discuss our favorite moments and memories from the horror game genre. 
So uh, we'll start, we'll kind of do a couple of piece, two, three, maybe I've got three uh, specific ones. Uh, try to keep this semi brief um, as we are running just a bit late uh, on time here. But uh, Adam, we'll start with you. What's your first um, memory, fond memory of the, the horror genre, whether it's survival horror or, or some other kind of horror? Yeah, well, one of the, I don't play a lot of jump scary games because I don't like jump scares specifically. I like other kinds of horror, but I don't like shit jumping at me. Um, <laughs> but for me, it's one of my favorite 360 games, period. And I love the studio and everything they've done. But Alan Wake is a horror game, I guess, in a, in a, in a sense. It's got a lot of good combat, a lot of interesting combat. And the story, I mean, Remedy just knows how to make an interesting characters and, and uh, a good story. So Alan Wake front to back, awesome game. DLC is great. They even had a American nightmare, which was like a $10 Xbox live arcade, uh, c- kind of thing. Uh, good as well. So Alan Wake, I don't play a lot of spooky, but it's, it's like twilight zone mixed with twin peaks. It's really good. And then they Two have of my the, favorite things. I feel so I'll admit I've never played uh, Alan Wake, um, which is kind of one of those like uh, games in my pile of shame. I love Rem- uh, all the Max Payne games growing up. And uh, God, boy, you just mentioned Twilight Zone and Twin Peaks. Do you think it yeah. holds up like if I were to go back and play? Yeah, I, I think it's it was a really good looking 360 game. So, I mean, it's a lot. It's dark, you know, Washington Mountains. So, like, it's not really worried about the. Uh, the graphical fidelity, but now the game's great. The story's great. And there's even the best part of it. Cause all remedy games, there's a TV show in the game, which you can stop and watch, which is the main character. Alan Wake is a horror writer and it's his, it's pretty much his version of twilight zone that he wrote. I can't remember the name of the show at the moment. Someone will tell me, but yeah, you can sit there and watch his version of the twilight zone and it's oh, wow. really good. Yeah. So uh, on a scale, maybe you'd be fun to do this on a scale of, one to ten, with one being Sesame Street and ten being like hide under the covers for the rest of the week. Uh, how, how scary would you rate Alan Wake? Mm, I'd give that like a six. A six. It's it's right. more dread because like things chasing you and like you can't you can't hurt them unless you hit them with your flashlight. So it's like oh shit, I'm out of batteries for my flashlight. But it's never like jump scares and like gory nonsense. But it's more dread than anything. So dread's definitely a powerful a six, uh, yeah. emotion. I feel like that with horror. That's a you know suspense um, is. I've often said I think more powerful long term than uh, just surprise scares. Uh, it's why you know I, my my favorite director is Alfred Hitchcock. But um, cool. Well, I will definitely have to check that out. It's backwards compatible, right? So I think yes. at least like it'd be easy to to maybe Halloween this year, I'll, I'll download it. Uh, I absolutely adore Twin Peaks Twilight Zone. Uh, how about you, Bobby? What's, uh, give us a, give us a, a spooky game, uh, a favorite spooky game or a particular sequence or scene or something that you like. Good, good horror memory. I, I could say, I know honestly like jump scary, like Outlast uh, and like Alien Isolation had a few points, but I will say Resident Evil 7 with the VR, uh, there were some moments like it was like panic attack. <laughs> like Really? Uh, that bad? Oh, yeah. Man. Well, it's because you know, like Resident Evil just does it in a way where you know it's coming, but then somehow they get you to feel comfortable enough that you know it's not coming, but then it comes and scares the hell out of you. So, yeah. It, <laughs> so, yeah, Resident Evil 7 in VR, it, it, there were moments, well, it, there were some moments that were just nasty. Did um, you play the whole game in VR? 
Is it comfortable? No, no, they had like a mode, like a uh, side campaign. Play. I, I um, saw the kitchen demo uh, was something yeah, you can still yeah, get. I've got that. I haven't checked it out yet, though. Yeah, I made my mother-in-law do that. Yeah, that was that was interesting. Yeah, yeah, nice. she flinched a couple of times. It was weird because it was like uh, VR is getting it's a lot bigger now, but it, it definitely uh, it had some scarier moments that I I can clearly remember recently. But I do, uh, sorry, that Silent Hill, uh, it had, the old Silent Hill had some scary parts where you were just walking through way too much fog. And then people whispering to you, like uh, even Sanua, Sanua's uh, sacrifice. Mm-hmm. That that game, I I can't really handle whispering too much. Like <laughs> it just kind of freaks me out a little bit. And uh, I remember in the beginning of the game where she's like, uh, you wonder if she's like mentally there, uh, because it was like uh, she all these things are whispering, and that was freaking me out. Where I had to stop playing it. I heard that uh, game is really good with uh, headphones on. Yeah, well, that's what I was doing, and I was playing it, and I was like, all right, this is cool. But then she was, like, talking to herself while, like, all these things were, like, whispering to her. Then she started talking to, like, them, like, individually. As, and I, yeah, I was no, I can't. It's too much, too much. So I, I will say that uh, Hellblade, to newest Sacrifice, I, I, I recommend that one as well, if you can get through it. Uh, so, but, so scale of one to ten for each of those. So, uh, we'll start off with uh, Resident Evil uh, VR. Resident Evil uh, VR. I, I, I give it an eight. Uh, okay, cool. It Pretty fun. scary. Uh, yeah, I liked it, uh, and I like that Resident Evil does a sca- it does scary enough to where it 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 scares you, but doesn't like make you think about it later. Like like some of the like uh, Friday the Thirteenth games where that that game freaks me out. In a whole totally different way, but uh, how, it, how about Silent Hill and um, oh, Hellblade? Silent Hill and Hellblade. I'm going to give them a ten, only because that really me. Wow. Uh, yeah, Hellblade. I honestly, it was a great game, uh, but there were parts in there where you felt like you were going crazy with having headphones on. Uh, like it just it mentally messed with you. It it was a great game. But it's yeah, definitely I, on my to playlist as well. I, I've heard it's relatively short. Get through yeah. it in a few hours. So um, yeah, it's all, it's I'm overdue to play that for sure. Oh yeah, it's a good game. Yeah, Hellblade. I I highly recommend. I do. Is that the studio that Xbox bought as well? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Ninja Theory. Right. Yeah. That's right. So uh, I li- I live in you know Florida as I said uh, in Jacksonville. Um, for a time, I lived a little bit closer to Orlando in a town called Melbourne. It's on the coast. Uh, so. Uh, Orlando, a short trip by car, hour away, I, and I frequently used to go to Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios, where you have these Hollywood quality haunted houses. And one of my absolute all-time favorite back to back years was they did a video game house. Um, they had a deal with um, Capcom, and so they did uh, Resident Evil one year. Where it was a combination of one, two, and three. And so they had all these great little touches, like the typewriter. Um, and you know, they, it was a little more over the top and campy, but the, the year after they did silent Hill and they had all the fog, they had the smell of smoke as you're walking through, right? You have that kind of burny ashy smell. There's like ash falling from the, and it was just so incredibly awesome to walk through these I'm environments. Just here now. They had uh pyramid head on, uh, these guys on like stilts with giant ass, you know, uh, like 
swords and you know they were bare chested um it really 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 cool to to ch- i mean all that stuff um you know it was just it, it was a love song to uh you know those games and uh it, it's fun to go to halloween horror nights anyway if you ever get the chance it's expensive as shit you really need to buy the fast pass but um but to to have like video games represented a couple years uh was fantastic and I don't know if it's true or not, but I, I got really into the forums for a while where they had rumors. There was rumors for a while that they were trying to work out a deal to do a Bioshock house, like where they were going to have the splicers running around and, you know, big daddies and stuff like that. I was kind of sad that it never happened, but uh, that would have been cool. All right. Well, I'm going to name a couple quick games here. And then through the magic of editing, we're going to bring in to talk about the new Resident Evil 2 remake. Um, I would say a uh, quick three. Um, Half-Life 2 had a section called Ravenholm. Uh, <laughs> Fuck that part. <laughs> which, yeah, see? Okay, I can see that you guys have checked it out. Like, Which is just... It, it felt so out of left field. And like I remember uh smoking uh a little bit of the old devil's lettuce there in college uh, and sitting down and getting to that and like just being utterly paranoid and and terrified um going like what the fuck is this like this is i'm in a horror game now like it felt like a genuine uh zombie movie you know you're in this abandoned town it's dark uh there's all these head crab zombies everywhere there's things leaping at you um you know it's it's gory it's dark it's grim i i loved it i thought it was a fantastic chapter that gets one of my favorite parts to this day to play through and uh i you know uh quickly on the uh tale of that uh dead space uh in particular the opening hours of the original dead space i think are fantastic because you're not really powerful yet you're learning how to take down these uh, necromorphs shoot off their limbs uh, your weapons are pretty ineffective so you have to really conserve the ammo and, and make your shots count um and I, I just i love that uh that that game so much that franchise at least the first two were fantastic uh, and then final mention here, kind of a deep cut from back in the day, PlayStation 2 game called Manhunt that uh, Rockstar Games made. I don't know if you guys ever played that. Oh, yes. Uh, I just thought that game was, uh, the, the original especially, was very over the violent and gory and controversial. But I loved it because you alternated between being the person that was the danger and the threat and like you were stalking people, but at the same time, there was nothing scarier than than botching a uh you know some sort of gory stealth takedown and then having just a ton of psychopaths chasing you through like a junkyard with baseball bats and fucking chainsaws and all the, the other crazy stuff that went with that but i absolutely love that game yeah that was a good game i remember there was two saw games that came out that were similar but they 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 were not as good man uh in particular i will say like the n2 where you're weird pig uh, hybrid whatever that thing is that's in the chainsaw and it's chasing you. it was a ton of fun yeah good, good stuff alright well uh, now we're going to go ahead and bring in uh, Sean Capri from Edmonton to talk about the Resident Evil 2 remake which came out uh, late last week and we've got a chance to, to play it we're going to give our thoughts right now and through the uh, magic of editing guest on to discuss resident evil welcome sean capri from edmonton how are you doing sean guys i am stoked man i'm so happy you guys asked me to be on i'm 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 great how are you guys this is awesome we are fantastic and we are thrilled to have you on our goal 
uh, to come on and um, you know do some uh, shameless self promoting, obviously, but to, to lend another perspective. I think it's you can never have enough, um, you know, when it comes to games. Yeah, dude. I, I, I honestly wouldn't even think of myself as somebody who's a huge fan of like horror games. But the more I think about it, like maybe I kind of am. So this is this is very apt. This is awesome. Yeah, fantastic. And um, so we're going to start here. Uh, yeah, the, the rest of us uh, earlier in the podcast talked about favorite from uh, horror games. So um, you give us two or three, uh, whether it be the game itself or if you want to talk about a specific sequence or moment. And uh, yeah, just let us know uh, what what's gotten you spooked uh, lately or, or, you know, in your gaming history. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, probably. Well, the, the, the most recent one, I think. And the thing that reminded me that sometimes if it's if it's scary enough, I have got to play some of these games in kind of brief sprints is actually the evil within. Uh, I didn't like the second one nearly as much, but the first one was so I had no idea what was going on. And it's very similar, I think, to Resident Evil 4, that kind of over the shoulder, um, not quite tank controls like the original Resident Evils, but kind of still clunky, a little bit stiff. And you're never really knowing what's around the corner and just a whole bunch of different mind games. So from a horror perspective, it was freaking terrifying. And then from a from a game and level design, it was gorgeous because it seemed like um, there's a spoiler in the game that I won't get into. But for reasons, you're always entering in new environments that are so drastically different. And um, it's, it's great to see if you look up kind of just pictures of the evil within you're going to be treated to a vast variety of different environments and situations to find yourself in so the evil within is absolutely terrifying i love that game um too bad it didn't get followed up with a stronger sequel in my opinion you know i don't feel like i gave that game quite its uh day in court um i played maybe (laughs) like three hours of it and i i was enjoying don't recall what happened something pulled me away from it um, I felt like it was just kind of, you know, getting to the point where it was uh, ratcheting up the uh, uh, the spook factor. I was kind of getting into the story a little bit more. Um, but I, I'm a huge fan of um, of that, you know, genre. And I think you're dead on when you say it's it's got like strong Resident Evil vibes. It kind of had time. a little a little bit of uh, like bloodborne kind of like vibes at points, you know, with like the villages and stuff. Uh, awesome. I found myself saying like, you've got to be kidding me more than once. And I remember I took my Xbox on a, on a work trip. So I was playing it in my hotel room and like, literally I, I had to shut it down every 20 minutes or so, just like catch my breath and just chill out. Cause I just got so anxious playing that game. Uh, under, totally underrated. Uh, very cheesy as well. Very cheesy acting, terrible acting um, over the top kind of like, uh, sappy kind of horror stuff and super Japanese, but very, very good game, dude. So on a scale of one to 10, one being Sesame street <laughs> and 10 being never come out of the covers again. Uh, what are we given evil within? I feel like I'm a big wuss though when it comes to this stuff. So like, I'm kind of high up on the scale. Like it's an eight or nine to me, man. It was, it was genuinely freaky. I feel like there is a point when you start to, I think this is probably the case with a lot of horror movies, especially, but maybe in games too, where you start to realize actually what's going on. And then it ruins everything. I feel like that happened in Resident Evil 7, uh, where the beginning was so terrifying. And then at a certain point, something kind of change over. And I wasn't, I could actually kind of like push through more. I kind of get used to what they're throwing at me. And, th- and that happened with the evil within as well. Yeah, I think Resident Evil 7 went from alien to aliens, like in my opinion. That, that's oh, like, snap. Good call. Yeah, I like that. that. It came very, very action oriented towards the end. Yeah. Uh, any other standouts, uh, you know, favorites, uh, either, again, moments or, or games itself? Anything else um, you can think of that you, you love? 
You know what? I, I kind of want to give a quick shout out to uh, Parasite Eve. If that, I don't know if that counts as a horror game, but it's definitely a little weird with the monsters and everything uh, back in the PlayStation One game. But the thing that, like, when you first asked me, like, think of your favorite horror games. Um, gotta give some love to Dead Space, and specifically the demo. Um, crap, I'm totally forgetting the name of the demo. It was like Dismember, I think. I think it was actually called Dismember. Maybe the first level was Dismember, and like the whole idea was it was introducing you to how use Isaac's uh, laser cutter or whatever, the, the engineering tool to mm-hmm. cut off yeah, all the limbs and everything. Yeah. Dismemberment. Yeah. Yeah. Like the whole, like that's how you introduce a new IP and a new game and, and terrify people like that game uh, specifically the demo was great. And the way you kind of like the way you, Isaac would stomp on uh, if you kind of got them down to their, to just their arms and they're crawling corpses and torsos and you could just stomp on their face and smash and everything and then there's be a nice little glitch that attached the <laughs> the limping body to your ankle you yeah. drag him around a little bit but mm-hmm. dead space Stasis. such a shout out for dead space. very yeah. very very special game i 100 agree i love that there was no hud that to me like made me fully immersed in the game the fact, like your health was on back and that you had um you know your ammo counter was on the gun itself i felt like really lent itself well to to making you feel like you were in there i feel like people talk more fondly about that game now than we ever did back when it was a thing like i I totally underappreciated in its time but well well remembered now so i guess that's good oh not me man like that was a game that i rented from uh gamefly and like immediately bought it like i didn't even finish it and i was like nope i'm keeping this this is awesome and uh, yeah man got the thousand gamer score on xbox uh, but yeah i'm a huge uh, horror person i even i'm sick and i did on the second game the uh the, I, I did the same thing thousand gamer score and did the hardcore mode where you only got three saves for the entire thing <laughs> oh my oh, god <laughs> so that's that's what probably my proudest achievement i think like in terms of you know difficult ones to get so. oh i love it Awesome. All right. Well, so we wanted to just, you know, briefly uh, give our impressions on Resident Evil 2. I think, um, you know, out of everyone here, I'm the only one that, that's beat the game. That's totally okay. We want to keep it spoiler free for those of you that are still uh, playing it out there uh, and mainly just give our impressions. Uh, so, uh, Sean, as the uh, the guest of honor, uh, you know, tell us tell us what you think. Um, you know, give, give a little background on, on what you, you played and, and uh, what, what do you like and uh, what you're seeing? Yeah, man. Thanks for thanks for having me on to talk about this. And um, Resident Evil Two, I wasn't even it wasn't honestly really on my radar. I don't have a huge connection to the original game. I kind of just played everything over at my neighbor's house all the time. They they had all the systems, so we kind of mooched off them a little bit. But that meant that I never really had like those tremendous gaming sessions with single player games. We played a lot of multiplayer games. I dabbled in single player stuff every once in a while. So this game was kind of coming up. Everybody's getting hyped about it. And I'm kind of like, okay. But then I hear about the demo, this one shot demo. It's 30 minutes long. You kind of get one chance at it. And that had me very intrigued. I don't know what it was. I didn't know I wanted something like that in my life. I'm like, this is different. I want to give this a shot. And again, like it, it brought me back to Resident Evil 4. It brought me back a little bit to um, The Evil Within. And just like perfect modernization of uh, removing a lot of the old controls. Everything looks great. It looks kind of how I remember, which is, I think is what a lot of people would say about it. Um, but the one-shot demo forced me to play it in a way that um, I kind of had to face my fears, I guess, is how I would describe it. I, I would normally really <laughs> be a big baby and kind of wonder, should I go around this corner and find what's going on? Should I open up this locker, even though there could be a zombie inside? And I just kind of had to do it. And that actually made it even more tense for me but still even more enjoyable just because i wasn't um 
I wasn't wasting any time and I, it forced me to enjoy the game and every inch of that game. So I actually ended up getting to the end of the demo in 26 minutes just because it kept forcing me to go through it, which surprised me. I didn't think that I had any idea of what to do from, from, uh, from stage to stage or from, uh, from objective to objective. I really couldn't remember what you had to do from one step to the next. But everything about that game is great. It's actually, there should be an award at the end of the year for best demo. This, this should be up for best demo of the year. So my, my brief introductory thoughts are this game was amazing. And I, sh- I don't know why I haven't played it at, uh, at this stage. I really should be going out and getting it. So I'm curious how, the re- I don't know if that carries on throughout the rest of the game. I'm hearing very good things, but I'm curious what you guys think as well. So uh, as somebody that's played the full game, I can tell you, um the uh, on a technical level it's it's nothing short of spectacular uh it's obvious that the team put a, a tremendous amount of care and love into uh both the visuals uh you know the, the graphics are incredible the gore effects are are just amazing the environments are, are gorgeous and atmospheric but also sound design um i don't feel like it's a spoiler uh to say that um you know there there is a uh, an enemy that Stocks you periodically call the tyrant. He's in a lot of the marketing, right? Um, uh, and it is a remake on a on an older game, but <laughs> it's the, a weird spoiler. He's not, this one. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I won't go into too much other than you know, it's it's similar if you if you played uh, seven and dealing with some of the mm. cat and mouse stuff with the uh, oh, what was the name of the family? I'm, I'm blanking on them now. Uh, but Jack, you know, and them. Uh, it, but the, just the sound design of that lent itself so well um you know to to those encounters uh i don't think uh, i don't i am not a baby like when i play horror games i i like them i find them exciting but it's really rare for me to to jump or to uh to feel you know that sort of like heart pounding uh tension where i'm actually uh panicked and mm-hmm. uh, this game pretty consistently um, especially in some of the middle sections, um, had me just absolutely um, anxiety ridden, where I had to put the controller down after kind of getting to a, <laughs> a place where I could uh, take a quick break or a respite, um, uh, just because it was that intense. Uh, the other thing I would say that, like, so my memory of Resident Evil 2 is not actually playing the game, it's watching uh, my best friend in the entire world. Uh, he had the PlayStation. I had the Nintendo 64. So we'd kind of alternate sleepovers. And uh, Sweet. it was the it was the game though that like I, I was so intimidated. You know, just like he had uh, probably put a couple hours into it, and he was like, "Oh, you gotta come over and play it. It's awesome." And I was just like, "No, nah, dude, I can't handle this. I'm just gonna watch you like play this uh, because this looks way too intense, and I don't feel like." you know, uh, <laughs> I can, can take this. And then, um, <laughs> you know, but I never uh, f- saw him finish the game. Didn't see much other than like some of the early sections, you know, in the police uh, uh, department. But I, I just loved it, man. I, I've only done Leon's story uh, for, for, I guess, the A playthrough. Uh, so I'm anxious to get back in there and uh, and do Claire's story. I think I clocked about nine hours uh, for my first playthrough because I am that person. I want every nook and cranny. I was trying to upgrade, you know, things and and sort of find all the secrets. I lo- like the environmental storytelling is so fantastic um, in this game, just like it was in Resi Seven, where you know if you want to kind of uh, speed through and just kind of grab the items and figure out the puzzles, you can do that. But it lends itself well to kind of digging in and getting the subtext of what's what's gone on and what's happened. Um, and I, man, I just can't recommend this game enough. It's fantastic. 
I feel like they made some really good decisions in terms of like what elements of the old game were old but timeless and charming in a way, but they got rid of some of the ones that were old and would actually detract from the game. And I think that that's actually a harder said or easier said than done. So like the typewriters seems archaic, but so central to the experience. But the tank controls, they got rid of, but they still managed to have the zombies be pretty slow you think they you know what they're about to do but as soon as they kind of gang up on you they can sneak up on you pretty good so you're trying to get the guy ahead of you and all of a sudden somebody's beside you and it's that i think they balance that out with the new camera angle um so better control but maybe more restricted point of view i thought it's just like is understated not it's it's difficult to describe I think what it is exactly they they managed to lock down on this game, but I think those are a couple of the things. It's very choice selections on what to bring back and what to leave behind. I think is very very difficult to do with such a uh, a loved game, such a, a revered game from our past. Yeah, I absolutely, and um, I think you know uh, retaining uh, obviously the inventory is such a huge part of what makes right. those games enjoyable to me. Uh, the, f- the fact that, like, you know, on a couple of occasions, um, I was just, you know, uh, swearing under my breath because I didn't leave <laughs> myself enough spaces and I found something that I wasn't expecting mm-hmm. to find and having to sort of backtrack through a dangerous area because I, I was a little short sighted or greedy on on, uh, you know, how much ammo or something I felt like I needed. Um, but I, w- I would say that um, one of my favorite features that I don't. I don't, can't recall if it was in the one shot demo. You can actually change the uh, the difficulty to to go full old school if you wish, where you have the typewriter uh, ribbons that you can find, and it limits kind of artificially your saves. Mm-hmm. Uh, items are a little bit more scarce, and uh, I'm looking forward to once I get my sea legs a little bit more in the game. Um, I, I did this with seven, kind of doing the the mad. Uh, playthrough where you know you're you're doing the ultra hard uh, mode or trying to get the S rank and speed run through the game. Um, I think it the replayability of this uh, seems like it's it's going to be um, uh, you know pretty high if you enjoy you know the the game. Um, you know you'll be able to run through several times and and play in different ways and it'll still be just as fun as the first. Yeah, man. Bobby, did you uh, did you check out the one shot demo? I, I did. I checked out the one shot demo and I installed it today and was starting it. And then my kids came home. And <laughs> I, I didn't want to scare them to death when they came home from school. Uh, but but I will tell you first, Sean, thank you so much for coming on our show. I really, really oh, appreciate that. Dude, it's my pleasure. And I uh, honestly, I feel like now I just got to go buy this game. <laughs> so thank you for, for, for uh, maybe pushing me to give me that last final push that I needed. Um, no, I think no. I've got maybe a week before uh, 2019 really kicks off here. We've had a great January already. Things are going to get a little bit intense here with uh, with Anthem coming very soon and Division's right around the corner and a whole bunch of stuff, man. Just nuts. So thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. No problem. No problem. Thank you. Thank you. And so I, I will say, honestly, my first... Uh, Resident Evil is why I chose PlayStation over Xbox. Uh, it's just I've always loved the Resident Evil, the horror, uh, scary moments. But I will tell you, I, I, I hate to admit this, but the first time I played uh, Resident Evil Two was on uh, bootleg version on when you could mod the <laughs> PS2, where mm-hmm. you had to put a real disc on and and update it. Uh, my friend Dave uh, had that version. That was my first experience with it. I remember trying to beat it, and I think I ran out of bullets at the end. And it was, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was lovely. 
But we just, like you said, the replayability, and it's like, just to see how that game, like, it meant so much to me as a kid versus now, how they made it, like, it's like you're still playing it back then, but it's, like, now, that that's the part that's got me, uh, like, it's just so beautiful, like, to see how it changed from, it, it feels like the same game, but it looks fantastic. It's like, somehow they made it today's game, and that's why they sold three million. Like it's Capcom has, uh, and even with the free DLC, like it's just I feel like them as a developer, uh, they're the whoever's in charge of any of this, they deserve it. I'll give them that much because it's just everything, like from the the loading screens to everything, it's just it's the same creepy game, but it's today's creepy game, and it's just I love it. Mm -hmm. I can't get enough. I think there's probably a trillion different ways this all could have gone very, very wrong. And it doesn't seem like any of those things actually happened. So yeah, kudos to Capcom. This is amazing. And I think ah. it's going to fund like th that new found love for Resident Evil kind of just indicates there's still a lot of demand for that game. So hopefully this allows them to explore some new opportunities and maybe they can get a little bit, of, maybe they can skip Resident Evil 3 and just go into Resident Evil 4 remake next. Oh, oh God, I would love that. Yeah, right? That great. <laughs> I would absolutely love that. Uh, yeah, I, I can't wait for you guys to to play more of it. I, that everybody that worked on it had a tremendous, uh, you know, um, affection for the for the original, and uh, that they really wanted to do it justice. And uh, I mean, they just this is the definition of knocking it out of the park. Um, I played nearly the entire game in one sitting. Uh, my birthday was on um, Tuesday, and Happy I had birthday. taken the day off. Oh, thank you. And uh, I, I just, I, I couldn't tear myself away. It was finally, you know, my wife had come home from work and I was like, well, I should probably put on some different clothes. So it's not obvious. <laughs> I've just been sitting on the sofa, uh, just devouring this. But um, yeah, I, I, I'd be curious to, you know, see what you guys think once you, uh, once you finish it. I agree. I agree. Is there, should, uh, Sean, did you try the Anthem demo? I did. I played a little bit on PC, but I couldn't get on over on Xbox. Uh, I liked what I what I experienced on PC, but it seems like it's got some work to do in terms of being optimized and a lot of loading problems. And I think a lot of things that a lot of other people experienced. I was just super jealous that it seemed like if you were a big enough streamer, <laughs> you seemed to get in no problem. A lot of big time streamers were playing for the full weekend. So as we record this, uh, we're heading into open demo weekend. I think it launches tomorrow. So I'm excited to jump back in. Got a lot of hometown pride for Bioware, uh, as I'm from Edmonton, as you mentioned. So I'm, yeah. I'm really hoping that they just really hit this out of the park. Um, Dragon Age and Mass Effect are two of my favorite series of all time. And I'd like to think it's not just because it was made here. I'm sure there's other crappy games that are made here that I don't love. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, likewise. No, you're, you're uh, I mean, you're spot on. Uh, good taste in games, clearly. Yeah, Mass Effect incredible, both. Yeah. Dragon Age really surprised me. I was late to the game on that one because I'm not like I usually kind of see fantasy and I just like it's not really a huge draw for me. But um, I was really pulled into the hype for Dragon Age Inquisition back in 2014, and I played about an hour of it, and I had no idea what was going on. And I ended up spending the first quarter of that year going through uh, Dragon Age One, Dragon Age Two, and then through Dragon Age Inquisition. I had like like four months of hardcore Dragon Age, man. And I was just sucked in deep. I was listening to podcasts about Dragon Age. So yeah, I just really hope that they managed to line this up with um, kind of what I wanted out of Destiny. I'm going on for a bit here. Sorry, but... Um, oh, no, just, it's all right. Yeah, that was What I really wanted out of Destiny was like Mass Effect with multiplayer, like Mass Effect yes. with my friends. 
Um, so I'm curious to see if that's kind of what they're going for with, with Anthem here, but I don't know. I really liked what I played. I just want to, I want to get a little bit more into it now. I'll probably give you a, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Bobby. No, 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 go no, ahead, buddy. no I was going to say the same thing. I, I feel like it, it can be good, but I'm just so worried that it, it feels too much like Titanfall destiny Warframe, but I'm hoping that they, cause I like Bioware as well. I hope that they somehow fix it. I mean, the loading screen, but I'm hoping I'm, that they fix it enough that they can, it, it, it just thinks I feel like it could be good. I just worry about the launch. Mm-hmm. None of those games yeah. have delivered a good narrative. So I think that's the biggest opportunity they have to give us something different. If we can get like a, a quality Bioware narrative with great characters i think they'll already have done something that's unique to that uh that genre that type of game so i i agree with you man i think that bungie did a, a pretty decent job i think there are a lot of the the reason for the eventual split was maybe bungie wanted to to dive into the narrative a little bit more maybe activision wanted to just get the game out there and activate those those microtransactions um but what ended up happening is you kind of have this game with like splintered and fractured narratives all over the place but when you play a bioware game you just know that they've done all like just by playing the game and experiencing the environments and and all the storytelling and characters that go into it you know that so much work um has gone in prior to the game even being started and i'm really hoping that that's what they did with anthem that there is a lore that is you don't even need to really read another book or sift through all these different um voice recordings or find these tape recordings within the game to really understand it i I don't know exactly how to describe it but when i when i play dragon age when i play mass effect even though i'm not reading all the other um like novels on the side or the comics or anything i just know that there's a world there's thought that's put into these characters that they act for a reason is because they have a past and it feels like everybody has a past in the bioware game where most other like npc character or npcs um they're just there. They're just kind of there filling space. So I'm I'm really looking forward to that from Anthem. Yeah, even the environments, I feel like in Bioware games, always like, even though you do have those artificial barriers, you know, past a certain point, they always kind of feel like they're like they're not there. Like uh, the Citadel always felt so much more massive to me, like than it actually was. Like that, right? You know, that's that a good area. Way to put it. Uh, yeah, well if, said. It, you know, just it, it seemed like you could go on forever if you just try hard enough and you know, there'd be more stores and vendors and apartments and all kinds of cool stuff. So, yeah. Well, it seems like the whole like architecture even just fit. Like there's a reason it looked the way that it did. And oh, man, you, I could go on and on about Mass Effect, but like zero um, element zero and just that that actually kind of makes sense. The way that it kind of like removes mass. So you're able to actually travel the speed of light and the way the relays all work together. Holy crap. You make me yeah. geek out hardcore about Mass Effect. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, anytime you want to come back and talk about. Yeah. <laughs> um, my just I'll give you a quick chuckle here. Uh, last week I put on my tinfoil hat. Uh, full disclosure for anyone that's listening and to you as well, Sean. I don't actually believe this is the case, but I threw out a like, what if? So uh, in reading, like um, I think it was Game Informer's uh, deep dive where they were talking about some more details on the uh the scant story um information that we have on anthem um i had mentioned like hey casey hudson uh bookending the development of this game and a lot of these details sound awfully familiar to people that know the mass effect lore uh, a mm. lot of protean type stuff and i said how fucking crazy would it be and again i don't think this is the case if ea and bioware 
surprised the hell out of everyone said hey by the way um this is actually a game that's in the mass effect universe it's separate from the mass effect story but surprise this ancient civilization that's gone those are you know protheans this threat is you know an extent i don't know definitely not going to happen but i think people would lose their minds um if that were <laughs> some kind of secret oh that they gosh. managed to, to hold on to um not going to happen though but kind of like glass and um and split and how those were uh it was kind of a, sh- a shocker at the end that those were actually connected universes with um unbreakable yeah exactly um I, in this day and age it's tough for um you know uh, for secrets to be kept i think something like that would be no way that uh you know about it or something would leaked probably mm-hmm. but uh and again so I, I don't feel that that's actually the case but there were a lot of uh things that were mentioned that i was like you know this you can clearly see um that you know there's a connection there uh, uh, you know uh, between uh how they told that story of mass effect and how bioware you know develops like a, a sci-fi uh story um the things that seem not not to say that they're you know recycling things necessarily but um you know you just see some narrative threads there that uh or themes that are carried over so yeah that's the thing i'd be torn on that because like of course i want to go back to a legitimate like mass effect game i don't really count andromeda as as one of those unfortunately um so i'd be and so as much as i would love to go back there i i still like bioware's at their best when they are just on full-on creative mode like i yeah, just think dragon age and, and mass effect are such incredible unique um and totally independent stories from each other and from a lot of what we've experienced that are similar but totally dissimilar like i think mass effect still holds up as probably the best sci-fi story maybe ever def- certainly i think within games and then dragon age is uh for me it's just that's the that's the cream of the crop for fantasy games and, and rpgs yeah, two, notwithstanding with Dragon Age, in my my humble opinion, um, was that, but of course, I played it when it came. Yeah, I was uh, removed from the hate. <laughs> yeah, of Origins. I mean, you know, it was like story fine, but um, yeah, mm. cool, cool, cool. All right, well, um, Sean, thank you again for uh, popping in. We'd love to have you back again and try to plan out to, to have you on like a full podcast. Uh, you have a lot of cool perspectives. Um, again, uh, we'll, we'll, I'd love to set a date on a, a Mass Effect special someday, maybe on an anniversary. Oh. Would, would be so cool. And, and seven day. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh that's hey, there you go. That's, that's a like thought. I like that a lot. Oh man, you got you know, now you got me trolling over here. <laughs> I know um, it gives me a nice year to I can spend 2019 just replaying through those games again. <laughs> I did it recently, and it, it's they still hold up. Uh, but in lieu of uh, uh, show um, uh, for us to to get you here and have people have access here, where can people find you uh, outside of our, uh, our our lovely podcast? Yeah, man, thanks. Um, you can usually hear me recording a podcast when I drive in my car on the Xbox Drive with my good friend, Luke Lore. It comes out every Thursday. Uh, we like to say the Xbox Drive is the most horse-powerful podcast on the internet. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. Ridiculous. That's awesome. That is great. <laughs> um, yeah, I literally like order coffee at the drive-thru at McDonald's <laughs> while we record the show. I've got a laptop in my passenger seat. Um, it fits in my commute, so it will surely fit within your guys' commute as well. So it, it, it times nicely. It's not a, it's a, maybe the longest episode we've done is maybe 50 minutes. We usually sit around like 40. So I like cool. to keep it nice and tight. And uh, the other show that I do is If We Ran Nintendo with Bobby, the Nintendo guru. And we've been doing that show for a couple of years now. We just uh, pretend like we could do it better. Because uh, we started it, I should say, we started that show back in the Wii U days, where it was maybe a little bit more appropriate. I, I don't know that we could run a company and sell 32 million Switches in a couple of years. Uh, but that show is a great time. If you like Nintendo at all, then that's the show for you. And if you like Xbox, then uh, Xbox Drive, is it's a good time, man. It's really fun. 
That's a cool conceit. I, I love that. I think that that's a that's an awesome idea for for each of those shows. I'm definitely going to check that out. Um, oh, thanks, man. Great. And what about Twitter? Uh, can people find you on Twitter or that? Oh, yeah. You? Thanks, man. Sorry. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I feel weird about going on and on about stuff. No, by all means. Thank you for no, prompting me. Yeah, no, no problem. <laughs> I'm just talking about games. Yourself. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I definitely don't have any. Well, I think I've got a little bit of shame. You can find me on Twitter at Sean Capri. I say it's like Sean like Connery Capri like the pants. And I'm I'm slowly but surely getting back into my streaming here. I, I had a baby girl in November. And oh, uh, things congrats, are settling man. down a little bit. Thanks, man. Uh, things are settling down a little bit. So uh, maybe check out twitch.tv slash Sean Capri for some, for some streaming over there. All right. And we're back. I'm sure that was a fantastic talk with Sean. Uh, we are... I'm going to quickly touch on what we've been playing and then um, next week we'll be, uh, we'll be back to give our impressions of the Anthem uh, open beta and uh, to talk with a couple of fellas about Kingdom Hearts 3. I'm sure you guys are anxious to, uh, to hear all about it and uh, frankly none of us here are experts so we're bringing in uh, the, the good folks to, to tell us all about it and uh, hopefully um, give us some, some good info for, for those of you that are um, I'm sure no doubt uh, on very little sleep um, as you as you play through those uh, adventures with Mickey and Donald and Goofy and all the other Disney characters and Square characters and yeah, good stuff. Uh, so uh, Adam, let's go ahead and start with um, what you've uh, what you've been playing, man. What you've been up to this past week? Uh, past week's not too much. Um, I got to play with Piranha Plant a couple days ago on Smash Brothers. Yeah, how is it? That's an interesting character. It seems pretty. Seems like um, if you learn it, it'll be, it'll be pretty decent. He's got some good range for a melee character, so I'm digging that. Um, and then the main thing is, I mean, we were talked about it so much, and I just happened to get on at the same time, but Sea of Thieves played probably another five, six hours of it. Um, my friend was just trying to get back into it, and uh, we had some good times. Well, just real quickly, it was, so it, we had a crew of four, so we had the big ship. We nice. went to a skeleton fort. We cleared that out. We dropped everything off. We were in the volcano region of the map. And then we were uh, saw another ship. Um, they were going to attack a ghost ship. And we were like, well, we're going to leave those guys alone because fuck that. Because they had like all the cosmetics. Like Either these kids play a lot or they're really good. So I'm not messing with these kids. <laughs> um, as we're sailing out to do our thing after we leave port, uh, they get attacked by a kraken. So we're like, oh shit. Well, you know what? We're about to just pull up, you know, about 500 feet away and see how this goes. They sink immediately. I just jump off the ship and start swimming to go get their stuff because they had all kinds of good stuff. And the Kraken leaves. Um, right as that happens, uh, the Megalodon comes and attacks our ship while I'm not even on it. So they're sitting here fighting this giant shark. I'm trying to get the, the Kraken loot off of this other guy. We finally defeat the Megalodon and then a ghost ship appears out of nowhere and we have to fight off a ghost ship. So in like a 20 minute span, we fought... Kraken, Megalodon, Ghost Ship, and saw another player. And it was the most intense, most fun, like 20 to 30 minutes that I'd played in a while. So that was awesome. But just that's those two things. See if these and uh, playing with Soprano playing on Smash Brothers. The uh, the emergent gameplay moments are the, are the best thing about games like Sea of Thieves, right? Like the the things that like even if you were to try, you can't duplicate. So like it's like that play session, you have something really insane that happens and uh i just love i think that's why it makes it such a stream friendly game you know is that like just the the chaos of that world and what, what can go down makes it uh you know uh replayable and then easy to kind of watch and be entertained by yeah good times 
How about you, Bobby? What you been up to? Uh, I honestly, uh, this week, uh, after everybody was talking about the year of the pig, I actually uh, tried to start Overwatch. Uh, and it was an interesting game. I did, I did really enjoy it. I played it all week. First time ever playing, or just get first, back first to it? time, first time. Oh and wow! I, I okay. was getting messages like crazy from my friends, like, "Man, why are you playing Overwatch? Like, uh, nobody plays Overwatch. Like, kids play Overwatch." And I'm like, "This game is fun. I don't know what you're talking about." Ah, no, but, Overwatch uh, is fantastic. It's just, it's a steep, you know, learning curve because you've got to learn not only what you know the character that you're playing can do, but also what every other character on the map can do. So there's a, a period for a while there where. You know, you're kind of learning what counters what and who counters who and, and uh, you know, strategy and all that kind of stuff. But uh, good on you. Yeah, yeah. And it, but, uh, the two characters that I used the most were Farah and Ash. And I did not realize, like, some of the characters, like, that like to have, like, the little uh, guy that runs out after you load up the, uh, what's it called? Um, I forgot what it's called. You're talking about the the super meter, like the ultimate. Yeah, yeah, that. Your ultimate. Yeah, yep. yeah. Like I didn't know that that was even a thing. Like I did, I was so much going on that I didn't pay attention for like <laughs> the first couple of matches, like what was happening. Because I was like, man, that guy keeps turning turn into a turret and and all these things, and I couldn't figure it out. But after I got a hold of it, it was I had a good time. I opened a couple of good things from near to pig. I got a couple of good exotics uh, skins, so it's pretty i enjoyed it i i, I really did I, I don't know why people are downplaying it but i love it yeah, still still one of my favorite games uh, like i said that's probably along with destiny yeah it's great and Delete. i didn't realize like the characters were so different like i thought it would just be like little things but they're they're majorly different i tell people it's like it's like smash brothers if it was a first person shooter essentially diverse yeah. cast of characters all with their different kind of strengths and weaknesses and abilities and yeah absolutely yeah, that and I, I got Resident Evil 2 today, uh, so hopefully I'll be able to play that and uh, not get scared. I won't play it around my kids. They they keep asking me to play it, and I don't want to play it around them because I like them to sleep. So, Yes, uh, very, very scary game for sure. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, uh, as we just heard on my conversation, Sean... Uh, I did beat the uh, the man uh, campaign. Um, that's that's primarily what I've been playing uh, as well. Uh, I should say my first uh, run through is Leon. I beat. I still got the uh, the B runs and to play through with Claire. Uh, had a great time with that. Continue to chip away at Octopath Traveler. The more I play that game, the more I really wish it was Quadrapath Traveler. Like I just uh, there's stories that I really care about and I'm invested in, and then there's the ones that I can take or leave. And I know you don't have to necessarily do them i guess it just it feels very can you know uh sort of convoluted and, and inflated like i i if i had to stick with the eight characters i wish that it was a little bit faster to level up but um you know it's it's still a jrpg i guess in a time where those are rare so i can't complain too much uh, i do love the art style i do love uh the mechanics that they've kind of added into it. i just i do wish it was a little less cumbersome at times but uh guess really the uh the only other thing i'm trying to think uh, occasionally i'll do uh, a tetris effect or beat saber run just to kind of cleanse the palette a little bit i like those games where you can kind of pop in for 20 minutes no commitment and, uh, and, and play it's always nice did right. you get ace combat uh i didn't uh I'm, i did not um 
It, uh, I, flight sims in general don't really do it for me. Um, yeah. Not really my cup of tea, but um, it uh, seems like people uh, that are into that are enjoying it well enough. Uh, I've, I have heard some complaints of some people getting a little more motion sick, but that could be more of a sensitivity thing than anything else. Yeah, well, that like I said, that was my first game where I got sick playing any VR game. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I highly recommend it because I, I played it again, and I, I realized don't don't keep spinning around above the ocean. <laughs> Probably um, a good but, idea. Yeah, don't I don't recommend that. But uh, but other than that, it's it's great. Great. All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up for this week. Um, where can uh, can people find you, Adam? Yeah, just follow me on Twitter at Adam Gumby, um, and follow the show at EC Games Pod. Just follow those two Twitters and keep up to date. Figure out how to become a uh, guest on the podcast, like Sean did, and uh, yeah, keep an eye out on there for topics and uh, get in touch with us. Yep, always looking for for content creators to uh, to guest on the show to to give another unique perspective. Or if you have a game that you're passionate, hit us up. Uh, we'd be be more than happy to book a. Uh, additional guests um you know each week uh how about you bobby where can people find you i am uh on all consoles uh smooth 423 and then i am also on twitch uh that tv slash smooth 423 i'm trying i'm not i'm not much of a streamer lately uh i'm i'm not uh as good as i should be uh but i i i have more games that i'm trying to play uh, my backlog. That's my goal on Twitch. So if you follow me on Twitch, I'm trying to trying to get my backlog down a little bit. Commendable goal, my friend. Not an easy one uh, sometimes to <laughs> uh, even. Coming. That's right. Play Red uh, Dead Two. I know. My wife even said that. It's funny. After she heard the show, and she's like, well, "Why didn't you play it?" <laughs> yeah, <I'm> just, <laughs> I don't have time, man. I would love to play Red Dead and watch Star Wars. Yes, yeah. Star Wars. Yeah, it will happen. <laughs> I want to understand it because I hear it's everywhere. And then it's like, even sometimes I'll joke or say like a Star Wars joke, and then someone will say something so off the wall from Star Wars, and I'm just like, yeah. You know. yeah. I would say don't get overwhelmed. Uh, start with 4, 5, and 6, which, you know, watch them the order, uh, my the opinion, anyway. Order, right? Those are yes. Fun. Yeah, yeah. Watch them the order that they came out, um, and just stick to the main, the core movies. And if you like what you got there then you can check out some of the spinoffs rogue one is pretty good uh solo i thought was pretty good but um yeah like i just man when when you like you were born and when you grew up i i boy that's a miracle that you managed to escape uh star wars but yeah well uh, see i think that the problem was i grew up in the city and we didn't have a movie theater like mm-hmm. it was only around for a little while i think it was i think the only movie they ever showed there was jurassic park and then they yeah. shut down, and then our our nearest movie theater was way, way too far. I will so. give you a, a funny anecdote about Star Wars. So my first experience with Star Wars was my p- parents had taped it off of, um, oh, God, I think it was HBO or something. They were showing it, and I was probably uh, four or five, right? And it was A New Hope, you know, the original uh, episode four, first Star Wars movie. And the way that movie is structured um, – you could see how I think this, but I thought that that was the only movie. I didn't know it was a trilogy for uh, about another three years. Um, so like it ends, I'm like, yep, cool. Uh, they blow up the dar- the Death Star and, and you know, they get their medals and cool end of the story. So I am up visiting my grandmother in New York and I'm bored out of my mind. 
she doesn't have a lot of VHS tapes and everyone's doing adult stuff. And uh, my stepdad was like, um, well, why don't you pick something out to watch? And I'm like, I don't know. Like she doesn't have a lot of movies. And he pulled out Empire Strikes Back and he's like, well, you, why don't you watch Empire Strikes Back? You like Star Wars? And I'm like, yeah, um, but what's that? He's like, oh, it's the second Star Wars. I'm like, there's a second Star Wars? And he's like, you didn't know this? He's like, it's like, it's a good, it's really good. And I'm like, okay. And then just my mind was blown. And I was, and I was like, is there a third Star Wars? And he was like, you bet your ass there's a third Star Wars. <laughs> it blew my little mind, you know, just like for so long, I just thought that there was just the one. Uh, so that was cool. But all right, well, it was a pleasure. Uh, thanks, everybody. As I said, uh, give us feedback if you want to be a guest on the show. If you want to hear us talk about anything in particular, we'd be uh, more than happy to uh, to uh, hear out your suggestions and uh, book a guest. Um, next week, we'll, as I said, we'll be talking about Anthem, and uh, we will uh, have Zach back on the show. Uh, I'm uh, Chris Waterman, again, from Jacksonville, Florida. You can follow me on Twitter at It's Waterman. And uh, I am Chris 90 day. That's uh, C H R I S nine zero D a Y on all the uh, different consoles. And we will see you all next week. Bye. Take it easy.